Good to see everybody. Glad you're here today. Uh, we started a message series uh, back in the first part of October and called Devotions. And um, what we realized is that there are a lot of people that don't know how to study the Bible. And so, you know, many of you, you're here today, you study the Bible, you know how to study the Bible, you've got a rhythm, you've got a, a pattern or a, a method for studying the Bible, but there's still so many in the room who, who you don't know how to study the Bible. And so our goal in this series, and we're going to go all the way through uh, November with this, is to help you study the Bible. And we're going to actually do that today. Our message today is a Bible study that is going to help you uh, when you go to study the Bible tomorrow morning, right, or whenever that time is for you. And so the tool that we're using, and there's lots and lots of tools, of course, you can use to study the Bible. There's different versions of the Bible. Um, you know, find the one that, that you understand. Find one that makes sense to you, because if it doesn't make sense to you, it's no good. Right? So find the one that makes sense to you. Study the Bible. Pray. Ask God to, to show you. But then there's, there's so many other tools, and we've gone over those previously. But one of the tools we're using, and, and I, I should have done this before this week. It's taken me a month to figure this out. But um, to bring one to show you, this is a one-year Bible. There's, uh, there's different versions of the one-year Bible. This one happens to be the NLT version, a very understandable paraphrase of the Bible. And so as you're reading it, it's not word for word, but it's, it's pretty close. It's concept for concept. But as you read it, you, you, you begin to understand what God's trying to communicate to us as the body of Christ. But also, when you open up this Bible, you open it up to the page uh, that is for today. And so you would find whatever day it is, you open it up. And on that page, it starts with a little bit of Old Testament reading, a little bit of New Testament reading, some Psalms and Proverbs. And if you read through the one year Bible, by the end of the year, you've read the whole Bible. And, and you've gotten a good balance of, of, there's no commentary in this. You can get lots of commentaries, uh, biblehub.com, blueletterbible.com, bible.com. There's so many opportunities. Oh, take a picture of that screen right there if you want to know all the, the helps there. But there's a lot of helps. You can get commentaries and cross-references to help you study the Bible. And so I, I brought two of these one-year Bibles today from our, from our cafe. I, I want to give away. Who, who does not have a one-year Bible? But you're like, you know what, I wish I had one. Come get this. Come get this one. Somebody else, raise your hand. Melinda, come get this. And, uh, and so uh, we also have these available real cheap in the cafes that you can stop by. Matter of fact, uh, while supplies last, uh, Bonnie is over our cafe. While supplies last, and we've got probably a half dozen more of those. If you didn't get one of those, you, you wish you had of, you go tell Bonnie, Pastor Mike said, and she'll give you one for free today. Uh, today only, though, right? Black Friday sale. So, so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 today, and, um, and our goal in, in this message, our goal in this series, is to help, help you, help us to grow in our ability to, number one, explore the Word of God, and then secondly, to apply it. And so we, we understand that the Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. So the whole Bible, it's God's idea, right? God's words breathed out by God, and watch this, it's profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, and that the man of God may be complete, the woman of God, may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. That word complete, the word equipped, putting them together like that, it means, com means to be prepared. It means to be ready for use, ready to go, right? You want to be ready to go 
And the way we do that is to read the Word of God. I, I, I have a hypothetical question. You don't have to answer it out loud, but is that why you read the Bible? Is that your motive for reading the Bible? To be equipped? To be ready to go? And, and, and that is a good question to consider. Because if you study the Bible for the wrong reasons, you might get a wrong result. But if you study the Bible for the right reasons, to be equipped, to be complete, to be whole, to be prepared and ready to go, I believe the Holy Spirit of God is going to help you to, to arrive at that place. He's going to help you to take what you're studying and apply it to your everyday life to where it manifests itself for others to see, right? You know, when Jesus says you're the light of the world, um, lights, at least the ones I have, you've got to have batteries, and the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and energize you and help you to shine bright wherever you may find yourself at school or at, on the job in your family and in the community so we study the bible to become equipped today we're in hebrews 3 and so what i'm going to do i'm going to give you a quick summary that i got off of biblehub.com you too can get this kind of summary on biblehub.com <laughs> it's important to know What's the context of what I'm reading? Where did it come from? Why did the writer write it? And so uh, there's tons of summaries. Some of you have study Bibles. I know Angela's got hers open right now. I just, I'm not, I don't need it, but just as an example, you can't see, but she does. Uh, and in the beginning of Hebrews, there's a summary that she can read to see what, what is the writer of Hebrews? Who is the writer of Hebrews? And so here's, here's something right off BibleHub.com. The book of Hebrews was written mainly to the Hebrew believers in approximately 67 A.D., so that would have been 35-ish years after Christ's resurrection. The author is anonymous, although either Paul or Barnabas was traditionally accepted as the author. They don't know for sure, so they just guessed at them, but it's an anonymous writer. Uh, its purpose was to present the Lord Jesus Christ as perfect and superior in comparison to anything that Judaism, the Old Covenant, had to offer you got to understand that most of the people in the early church were of the judaism faith there were jews born jews whether they were in jerusalem or judea or the even the nation of israel or scattered abroad it was primarily to them until other till gentiles right us most of us uh, were added to the church grafted in and so um, the, the author was presenting jesus as perfect and superior in comparison to anything Juda judaism and the Old Covenant had to offer, which we would refer to as the Old Testament. The author was writing to a group of Christians who were under intense persecution. The government, the religious leaders were trying to snuff them out. And some were contemplating a return to Judaism. It would be easier if I just go back, right? We hear that in, in so many forms in the Bible. It would be easier if I just go back, if I just went back to my old life. Some of you might be thinking that or have thought that in your life. You know what? It, sometimes being a Christian is tough. It might be easier if I just go back to the bar room. Anybody ever thought that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> and the writer admonished them not to turn away from their only hope of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read this text. I'm going to read Hebrews 3, 1 through 13. But I want you to, Bible study time, right? I want you to, to be thinking about these three questions. When I read this text... What do I learn about God? What do I learn about people? And what does God want me to do? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about people? And what does God 
want me to do. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. And verse 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, come on, somebody say today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where, our, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit who's with us now. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand the truth of your word, not just in a simple way, but in a way that helps change us, that transforms the way we think, see one another, and see ourselves, and see you. Holy Spirit, would you teach us today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to ask these three questions. What do we learn about God? And in this case, I, I'm going to say Jesus. What do we learn about Jesus? We, we talked about this in week one, but when we say God, uh, God is a triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, this specific scripture, we're going to say, what, what do I learn? What does this teach me about Jesus? And I, I believe there are two things that really stand out. Now, now as you're reading it, you might see more than two. There, there's multiple layers in here. But I want to point out just two today, giving you an idea of what it would look like to study this scripture on your back porch tomorrow morning, sipping your coffee, right? And, and, and watching the deer and the antelope play. And so you're reading the scripture and you're, you want to ask the question, what, what, what is, I don't know if any of y'all, unless you live in McHenry, they got, they got lions and tigers and bears and antelope in McHenry. But what, what, do I, what do I learn about God? And when we see in verse 1, it says, it says, and the first thing we see is, well, in verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, and it says the apostle and the high priest of our confession. The apostle, so Jesus is an apostle, an apostle, our apostle, and, and high priest. And both of these words speak to the idea that he's our mediator. I think we're going to have that on the screen. Jesus is our faithful mediator. So, so what does that mean? So it says he's our apostle. An apostle, we see that in the, the New Testament writings. Jesus called his disciples and empowered them to go. But what is an apostle? Well, in simple terms, an apostle is a messenger. Someone who speaks maybe for God or takes a message. Actually, in the, in the Greek-Roman world that uh, Jesus lived in, that the early church lived in, uh, the word apostle was a, a, a 
a Greek word that would have meant anybody. You know, hey, Justin, would you run downtown and tell the guys downtown that I'll be there later this afternoon or, or, or tell them that, that uh, we changed the date of the event we were planning and he would become an apostle right there in simple terms. He's a messenger. He would be taking a message from one party to another party. That, that's what the word apostle means. Now, we, we do, uh, in the church, we do look at the big A, capital A, apostle, as being the disciples of Jesus that went forth around the world and preached the gospel, you know, and those apostles. And even today, there are people that call themselves apostle, you know, apostle Billy, apostle, you know, whatever, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and at least in my esteem, you may, you may see that as, oh, I don't know about that. You know, did, some of the terms that people use, you know, did they see Jesus? Did they walk with Jesus? Were they given their message from Jesus? You know, so it's cool. It's cool, whatever you want to go there. But the word apostle means to be a messenger. Jesus was the messenger of heaven. They brought the good news of heaven, the good news of eternal life to mankind. He is our great, capital A, and maybe capital P-O-S-T-L-E, apostle. He is our apostle. He is our great messenger that brought heaven to earth. Jesus is the apostle. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth, his son, he sent the messenger, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we may receive adoption as sons. Aren't you glad Jesus brought good news to mankind? So he's our apostle. We learned that about him. An apostle is someone who is a mediator between God and man. He brought that message. And secondly, it said in there, he's the apostle and high priest of our confession. So we see he's an apostle. But secondly, he's our high priest. A high priest, uh, particularly we see this in the Old Testament, but a high priest is one who pleads the cause of man to God. So he would be someone, a priest would be someone who would uh, take the cause of man and plead it to God. And you see in the story of the Old Testament, uh, children of Israel wandering in the wilderness and, and they had this tabernacle that was the called the tent of meeting. It was their church, right, in the middle of the camp. And there was a high priest. And once a year, the high priest, he'd get all prepared, he'd get all cleansed, he'd get all ready, and then he'd get some incense burning, you know, and he purified and all that. And then he would walk into this tabernacle, this church, and he would enter into the very presence of God. And he would plead the sins of the people before God. He represented the people to God. One man. But then the Bible says that when Jesus Christ was crucified in that temple, tabernacle, church, it's all the same, there in Jerusalem, that the veil that separated God from the people, from us, was torn in two. It was rent in two. Opening up passage for us to enter into the very presence of God as common people. The Bible actually calls us priests ourselves. We're a priesthood of believers, but we get to go in. So Jesus came as our eternal high priest. He eternally represents us to God. The Bible says this about Jesus, you know, and I know, I know we've got Sunday school songs, you know, you know that Jesus in our heart and all those things. And, and that's cool because uh, understandably, you know, he is, the, we're devoted to Christ the Holy Spirit is inside of us. He is the Spirit of Christ. So it's, it's not wrong to say that. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was arrested. He was crucified on a cross, and he, he, he died. 
and then he was buried in a tomb and he rose again on the third day and then the bible says that a short time later he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of god the father making intercession for us so if that's true right and we believe it's true right we believe the bible jesus is praying for us even right now he is our high priest representing us to god the father right there sitting on the throne beside the father saying would you consider tabitha proud would you consider patty gray would you consider justin barrett laney barrett would you would you consider god would you move on their behalf would you he's i don't know what he's saying but he's saying something about you and me to the father he is our great high priest he's a mediator hebrews 2 few chapters or a chapter before our text today says in verse 17 therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect made a man so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of god to make big word here propitiation for the sins of the people that word propitiation means to appease god's wrath and to reconcile us to god that's what jesus did he became our high priest. No one else could do it because everybody's got sin, right? We all have sin. We have a very sin nature from birth plus the sins that we accumulate through life. So we are sinful. We could not go before God and make payment for his wrath. Only a sinless man could do that. And the Bible says Jesus came and he was born of a virgin. And he, be he became that man that lived a sinless life that became the offering. So he became a high priest, our mediator between us and God because we couldn't, so that he could go and become the payment for God's wrath towards us. God, no long, if you are a born-again Christian, God no longer has wrath against you. Jesus took it on. It, it, if you get that, when you sing these songs, that, that, that scriptures that we sang today, because these songs all come right out of the Bible, in different ways, concepts uh, come right out of the Bible. When you realize that Christ took the wrath of God meant for you. I mean, there was wrath in God meant for Beverly Anderson. Eternal damnation, total separation from God for eternity. That, that was meant for you because of your sin nature. And Jesus said, no, hold up, Father. I'm going to take that on me, on that cross. He took your wrath. He became the propitiation, the substitute. When you realize that, all of a sudden now, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're inspired to sing a song, you know, like in today, but in your car tomorrow morning, or you're reading your Bible, and you're, you're inspired to worship the king, and you, you begin to sing, and all of a sudden it's like, dude, I, I'm excited about this. Thank you, Jesus. So we learn that Jesus is our great mediator. Um, secondly, just, just to point it out, we're studying what do we learn about god from this scripture i believe we see here that jesus is our faithful messiah in verse five it says now moses was faithful and in, in the word in in inside all god's house as a servant to testify the things that were to be spoken later but christ is faithful over god's house as a son just a little quick backstory we read the old testament we see that the children of israel they had all moved into Egypt because of a famine a worldwide famine and Egypt had food stored up they moved there they're there for hundreds of years literally and so you know they went from 
being a, a, a clan of a dozen plus uh, to you know, most likely millions. Uh, but they're living in this area of Egypt and they, the, the, a new Pharaoh came on the scene, a new king came on the scene, put them in slavery. They ended up working slave labor for a long time. And uh, their cry out to God was, God, would you come and rescue us? And, and so God um, heard their cry, the Bible says, and he called man, the man Moses, uh, who was on the backside of the desert, um, hiding from people and God. And so watch out if you're hiding from people and God, God will find you. Uh, and he said, Moses, go, sit, go set my people free. Go represent me. Set my people free. This is what you'll say. This is what you'll do. Moses ended up leading the children of Israel out. And he was the leader. So he was Pastor Moses in many senses. He was the leader, the shepherd of the people representing God. So he led them out into, through the Red Sea, if you've ever seen the movie with Charlton Heston in it, through the Red Sea. Um, if you've read your Bible, you know the story. And out into the wilderness, they were headed to the promised land. And, and a, lot of, a lot of negativity, a lot of unbelief. They ended up circling in the, promise, I mean in the uh, wilderness for 40 years. And so Moses was leading them. And he was known as the great hero of Israel. He was the great he hero in Jesus' day. In the temple, the temple teachers, the synagogue teachers in the local synagogues, the local churches, uh, they, they typically would read texts that were about Moses representing God. He was the leader. He was, if Moses said it, it was truth. And, and they, he was their hero. I mean, they, they clung to Moses. And so in Jesus' day, he was walking the earth, and he used a little comparison. And then even the writer here in 67 AD used some comparison to Jesus and Moses because the people would have got it. They would have got it, you know. Uh, if I were to talk to you about somebody and uh, I, I compared them to somebody famous, you know, and I compared them to Elvis. Elvis, right? Everybody heard of Elvis, right? Nancy, you've heard of Elvis. Help me out here. You, we're same age, so grew up on him. Yeah, you're older than me, I know. Um, if I compared, it, people would get it. Oh, El, you know, I mean, he shook his leg like Elvis. Everybody would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, get I get it, right? It's the same thing, Jesus, like Moses. And they were like, oh, like Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here the Hebrews writer is, is, is doing this comparison for a reason because he's talking to mostly a, a, a Hebrew or a, you know, Israelite audience. And he's comparing the two. Christ, uh, in this context here, is the, is the Greek word equivalent to Messiah, rescuer, savior, anointed savior. Uh, Moses, the hero of the Hebrew people, um, probably when he said it, they got their attention. And he said, Jesus, the son, is superior to Moses, the servant. Put him on a higher plane, right, a higher level. Jesus isn't just serving in the house. He's the owner of the house. Oh, he's over the house. He owns the house and he rules the house. So we see Jesus is our faithful Messiah. He is the Savior that came to take away the sins of the world. And we read that in this scripture here. So let's ask the second question. What do we learn about people? What do we learn about people in this context? About other people? About me? About people in general? And I think the big thing that stood out to me in this context and, and, and was that people are prone to have evil and unbelieving hearts. It's kind of like default mode, prone to have evil and unbelieving hearts. All of us are prone to have evil and unbelieving hearts. The Bible actually says there's none good, not one. And if we ever think we're good, we're deceiving ourselves. Outside of Christ, we are evil and unbelieving. By default, it said in verse 12, take care 
And he references brothers here. So this was written to the church. It was written to the, peop- the believers. It wasn't just written to a, uh, a stranger out in the world. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you. He's talking about me now. He's talking about you. In any of us, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. If I had to, if I had to narrow that down, I'd say that we are tempted to turn away from the living God when we stubbornly refuse to believe Him. And we stubbornly refuse to obey Him. So in this text, the writer used the children of Israel that wandered in the wilderness. And I, I wasn't there. We weren't there. But you can imagine they, they were in slavery and they were in captivity. I assume that would be like being in prison in many ways. I mean, you, you limited. You, you couldn't own your own stuff. You couldn't do your own thing. You had to do only what you were allowed. And God sent a man, Moses, to lead them out, and he did all kinds of crazy miracles. Uh, there were plagues on Egypt, and, and, and I mean, I'm talking about frogs everywhere, like in everybody's, you know, in your chili and stuff everywhere. And, and then there was locusts. There was, there, there was uh, everything, blood in the river. You went down to get your water in the day. Oh, blood everywhere. You know, I mean, it was, it, God just performed all these miracles through Moses, but still it was God's power on display. And the, 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 these children of Israel, they would have seen this. They would have witnessed this. And the thing is, it was happening to the Egyptians, but it wasn't happening to them. Come on, talk about sing some songs. Y'all get back up here, band. We're going to do it again. No, you know what I'm saying? That's what I would have been doing. So, and then, then after that, he led them down, and, and sure enough, they were at the Red Sea, and however wide that was at that point, it was, it was impassable. And here comes the, you know, the Egyptians to kill them, to massacre them for escaping, and God parts the water. Dude, you're walking through on dry land. Can you imagine this miracle? You're walking through, and it's like, dude, there's a shark, you know, and, you're, and you're passing through the Red Sea. You get on the other side, and it closes up on the Egyptians and takes them out. Dude, God's fighting my battles for me. Man, come on, my war cry is praise. You know, I mean, I'm thinking they were singing that. So you see all this, and you get out in this, in this next land, you know, headed to the promised land, and all of a sudden you start grumbling to one another. That's what they started grumbling to one another. I don't know if I like this. I think we should go back to Egypt. That's it. You know, hey, guys, who wants to go back to Egypt with me? You know, and, and I don't believe God is real. Dude, he's a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Open your eyes. They were hardening their hearts. And the crazy thing is the writer of Hebrews says, hey, guys, you, us, don't be like them. Because you're prone to be like them. Your default mode is to be like them. And we read about the children of Israel and we cannot believe. They, what are they thinking? Yet such are some of us. Such are some of us. And, and I get it. And, and there's some of you might be here today and, and, or you've heard this said and you've read this or you heard it on TikTok. But, you know, okay, nobody, you can't fall away from God. No, 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 no. The love of God remains. Yes, nothing can separate us from the love of God. His love was there before you were born again. He loved you when you were an enemy, still an enemy of God, right? And when you were, were away from Him. His love doesn't change for us. When our hearts are hardened, it's our affection towards Him that grows cold. It grows stale. You know, one of the reasons we're doing this 
series on Bible study is because we know there are people, I witness people all the time, that because you're not in the Word of God and you're not pursuing God, you're not in experiencing God, both intellectually and experientially, you're not experiencing God, you're, you're, not, you're not hearing the voice of God, the Holy Spirit is trying to convict you and you're, you're, you're no stiff-arming the Holy Spirit and, 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 and eventually, eventually that voice of God begins to diminish and all of a sudden you find yourself on an island separated from God and, and you, you begin to get a cold, hard heart towards the things of God there are people not in this room today that were standing in this front worshiping God not that long ago and and I don't want to be naive to think that that one of us can't become that I I don't want to be naive to that I don't want to think that I'm in I'm in I'm in I love God he loves me it's all good I don't want to just braggadociously say that and think that, that, that I couldn't become hard and callous because for some reason God inspired the writer of Hebrews to shout out to you and I, hey, brethren, <laughs> be careful lest you become like them that you're mocking and laughing about the children of Israel. A hard heart is obstinate and callous, failing to respond to God in faith or to obey him. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be reading that next week, right? In our one-year Bible reading. Melinda will be. She's got a one-year Bible. Um, it says this in verse 6, and without faith, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards, number two, that he rewards those who seek him. And a callous, hard heart says, ah, I don't think God will do that. You know what? I don't, even know, I don't even know that God loves me anymore. Denying the very word of God. Stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. No, that's, that's not for me. Does, does that convict you at all? Does that, does that mess with you at all? When we read stuff like that? That, that, that God felt the need to tell us, be careful, guys. Don't take what you got for granted. Don't, don't just think, I'm in, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm good to go. I got my fire insurance policy, you know, not going to burn in hell. And not pursue God, not, uh, not hear the voice of God. Dude, the, the Bible... The Bible is full of references. Read the Bible. I'm telling you, it's full of references where it says that we hear the voice of God and we're to obey Him. And that you can't just have faith. Faith without works is dead faith. And we don't want just dead faith because dead faith is, well, it's synonymous with a cold, callous heart. It's responding in faith, doing something with that faith, action. Uh, some of you have heard me say this a lot, lot over the years, uh, particularly in marriage counseling, because, because I, I see a lot of men who say, well, that's not what I meant when they said something to their wife. And yet their wife say, but that's the way I felt. And I always have to point this out, that men, your good intentions are not the same as her reality. Her reality is what she felt. And we, we men do this, women do this too, guys. We live in our good intentions. And when that translates into our faith with God, well, I, I mean, I, 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 I meant to do it, 
I meant to obey God. I was gonna obey God. I think I will one day obey God. Good intentions is not obedience. If you tell your child to go clean their room, and later you check in and it's not clean, and you say, I thought I told you to clean your room, and they said, well, I thought about it. (laughs) I was gonna. (laughs) As a parent, do you go, oh, well, that's okay, baby. Let me clean it for you. (laughs) I hope not. Number three, let's, let's, let's land the plane here. Number three, what does God want me to do? It says in verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me break out a few words here, okay? Um, God does want us to exhort one another while we have the chance. Exhort, the word exhort, um, it's literally, okay, this is so cool. <laughs> I love Bible study, y'all. Marshall, watch this. Me and you will like this. The word exhort is the word in the Greek, parakaleo. Parakaleo is the same, from the same root word as paraclete, right? Do you remember the word paraclete from your Bible studies? It's the word where what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit. He is going to be your paraclete. He's going to be your helper. You like this, don't you? It, it's when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, he said, I'm going to send you a paraclete. And a paraclete is someone who helps, who encourages, someone who exhorts. The writer of Hebrews is telling us to be like the Holy Spirit. He's telling you and I to be like the Holy Spirit to one another, to be helpers, encouragers of our faith, to, 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 to challenge one another, to speak to one another in ways that inspire and 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 become catalysts to help us to chase after Jesus, to call one another out when we're we're doing knuckleheaded things. Anybody here you do knuckleheaded things? If you're not raising your hand right now, it's the person beside you says, Yeah, you're into the knucklehead. <laughs> no, we do knucklehead things. We we need one another. This is not a solo sport. We're in this together. We're called the body of Christ. And here the writer is saying, as the body of Christ exhort one another encourage one another lift one another up inspire one another not tear one another down you know over the years we've we've coined this term northwood is a gossip free zone now we're not naive we know that there is a little bit of gossip that still happens because there's people right but but we try hard to be a gossip free zone because gossip is the opposite of exhorting if I tear you down, if I talk about you, if I'm in Walmart later today on aisle six and I'm there looking through the stuff and someone I see says, you know, hey, Mike, did, did you hear about Nikki? <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you hear about, did you hear about Arnie? I heard Arnie. You know what I heard about Arnie? And he starts to nan, 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 nan. That's gossip. That's tearing down. It makes me see Arnie differently. So it makes me, you know, like look down instead of, you know, exhorting Arnie. And so we just, we work hard to not do that. Let's don't gossip. Can we just say, I'm not going to gossip? About my, I didn't really mean to say it, but say it. <laughs> now, can we, can we commit to that? Can we say, you know what, I'm going to do what the Bible says. The Bible says to exhort one another. I'm going to lift my brother up. And if you talk about my brother, I'm going to defend my brother. And I'll go to my brother and I'll say, hey, man, they said, is that true? And if my brother says, no, that's not true, then I'm on your side. We back to back now. And, and we're going to fight the common enemy, the gossiper. Because the Bible says, exhort one another. Now, if, you, if I come to you and I say, hey, I heard this, is that true? And you say, yeah, it's true. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick you in the knee. <laughs> Not literally, but I'm going to exhort you. Brother, come on, man. I'm going to beg you. Stop that. 
Because that's what we do. That's what it says to do. To exhort one another. Another word in that context is the word sin. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is such a funny little word. I'm not going to do a you know, big exhaustive study on sin, but just to give you an idea, sin would be like in, in the game of darts. If you haven't played it, you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. You're throwing for the bullseye. And at, at worst, you want to at least hit the target, right? You miss the target, you messed up the sheetrock. So, so to miss the mark is to sin. To, to miss the target is to sin. To miss the mark is to sin. And, and so sin is something we all do because when the Scripture tells us to, to do this and don't do that, those are guidelines. There's God saying this is God's best. Stay within them. And when we miss the mark, we fall outside those guidelines, we're sinning. Sin doesn't, if you sin, if you, let's just give an example. If you lie later today, say you lie to someone later today. Well, that's not telling the truth, right? And so that's a sin. Now, that one sin doesn't, you know, condemn you to hell. But the Bible does say that sin leads to other sin, leads to death, leads to separation from God. It leads to this idea of a hardened and deceitful heart, an evil heart. And so we, we, we want to call each other out on sin. And, and, and this is good in the family. This is good in the family if your kids do something like your kid lies. Let's just say your, your 10-year-old tells you a lie or your 14-year-old tells you a lie. You know, did you take the car out last night and, and go through the mud? No, I didn't do it, Dad. And, well, I got you on camera or whatever. You know, you catch them, right? The, the idea is not, oh, I can't believe and condemn them. The idea is to show them their error, their ways, right? The sin, you sinned. You disobeyed a, a straight up don't do command from, from Dad or Mom. And you ask them for repentance, that translates over to the body of Christ. That's what we do to each other. When, when, when sin is in the camp, we, we, we don't condemn one another. I cannot believe. That's where the gossip starts coming forth and, and just wrong. No, it says go to one another and, hey, man, did you do this? Yeah, dude, you know that's not okay. You're outside of the context of the God life, what God's best is for you. And you call them to repentance. You call them back and say, come on back, man. And when it's done in love, man, it gives the opportunity for someone to say, you know what, I repent. I'm sorry. I should not have done that. And but to be restored. Oh, my goodness. And that, that is what the church does. And so it's, God wants us to exhort one another. Every day, the, the early church believed this, especially the, in those that are influenced by the, the Jewish culture, that the, the season of wandering in the wilderness for the Israelites which is 40 years, the season of wandering in the wilderness where they were between Egypt and the promised land, that literally people referred to that as that day or today. It was a term that was used to describe that time period. And here the writer is saying that as long as it's called today, as long as we have the chance to repent, we should call one another to repent. For us, today how's that translate to us today while we have life in our lungs 
while we can still breathe. Before Jesus comes back or we die, we have a chance to repent. And how often should we call each other to repentance? How often should we call each other to live the God life every day? We should look at one another often. Now some of you, let me just, because some of you are very literal. Now later today as you exit the building, you know, and you see your brother and you're tr- tempted to say goodbye, it was good to see you. Be careful, don't, don't say repent! <laughs> you know, don't, don't, <laughs> not that, it's, you get it, right? Don't, don't just, but we got to love one another and today don't see something in somebody and wait till it's too late and wish you had a wish you would have because you'll have regrets if, if you if you if you know of sin and you don't know what to do with it get with somebody else and that's biblical to go to the church go to a brother you can come to me, you can, you can come to a leader in the church, come to do something with it, though. And you know what? That person may say, you know what? What you're seeing there, there's more to the story, and it's just not what you think, right? And it's balanced, and we're okay. But it might be that person says, oh, it breaks my heart, too. Let's go to that person. And let's provoke them. Let's exhort them to come back. Because every one of us could find ourselves in those shoes one day. While it's still today, let's encourage one another. Let's encourage one another to love God. I I wrote this in my notes, and I want to read it as we close here. But every day, think of someone who might need your support. They might need a supportive word, maybe a note, a handwritten note. Some of you old school, I'm telling you, old school is best. You like to write letters or cards. Go buy some cards and just write somebody a note. You know what? God has put you on my heart. I've been thinking about you, and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Boy, you write that down. You stick a stamp on it, which says I value you, even if it's just, what does the stamp cost nowadays? 25 cents? Does anybody know? What? Oh, my gosh. What's the world coming to? I'm telling you, extra special value. (laughs) You mean a lot to me, 60 cents. Gosh, I did not know that. Times 25 cents. That's it. Oh. But you write that note. Maybe it's a visit. Maybe you just need to, hey, man, I want to come see you. Who is God putting on your heart? Maybe not right in this room, but wait till tomorrow morning and you're in your quiet time with God. He's going to put somebody in your heart that you might need to visit. You might need to go to their house. Maybe you'll call them first or text them first. But say, hey, I'd like to come see you. Just check on them, man. See how they're doing. Maybe it's a, a phone call or a text. You know, I, I've, I've got a little, this, some of you know this. I play, I play uh, texting roulette is what I call it, but I'll take my contact list and I'll spin it. It's not God. It's Mike. It's literally Mike. But I pray over it, and wherever it lands, I'll text that person. And you're saying, that's silly. Probably more than you're doing, though. Right? The Bible says every day, exhort one another. I don't care how you do it. I don't know that God cares how you do it. It's that you do it. It's that you take this serious. That at the end of the day, when we all get to heaven, somebody say, we all need to get to heaven first, right? And we help each other get to heaven. We help each other. 
I've gone back and looked at photos and videos. We've been here for 18 years, since 2004. And I go back and look at some of the videos and the photos from years ago, years gone by, and there's so many faces that, well, I, I don't see them anymore. You know what I'm talking about. I like to think that every one of us, one day we'll have a big family reunion in heaven. God's given us some instruction here that we got to care for one another. So whatever it takes, whoever God puts on your heart, let's, let's take some action. Wouldn't it be crazy if tomorrow we just start texting, calling, writing letters, and loving on one another, maybe even showing up, loving on one another, encouraging one another, finding out about one another that we're not all healthy. Some of us are, well, in seasons of life that are not real good. And Man, to get to pray for one another. Come on, stand to your feet right now. The band's going to come back up. We're going we're gonna to sing. I probably went a little bit long today, but you know what? God's got a plan. The band's going to come up and just a short little song. I want you to pray during this song. And our prayer team will be in the front here. If you need prayer for any reason, uh, you just come on up. But Father, right now, we just want to get out of ourselves and, and our selfishness. And Father, we, we want to we be used by you. We want to be obedient to your call on our lives, to love one another and help one another. So all over the room right now, we just surrender, Father, to you. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you to speak to us today, maybe right now, tomorrow morning, sometime this week as we're driving to work or going to school, shopping, going out to eat, just that you would speak to us and show us people that need to be encouraged. Show us, show us people who maybe are, are struggling, that we could encourage them help them and be the paracletos be the helpers and father i pray right now if there's anybody in this room that's away from you that's tempted to have a hard heart that even right now you're softening their heart and and showing them father that you love them and that you know what we all could be in their shoes and that you want them to get back on track Come on, if that's you and you're, you're hiding from God, running from God, separate from God, never said yes to God, Father, I pray for them right now. I pray right now for your salvation to come to them. If that's you, just, just, just say something like this to God. Say, Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them right now. And I ask you to save me. Pour out your love upon me. Send your spirit to live inside of me. And help me to know you. Help me to love you. Just tell him something like this. Say, Jesus, I give you all of me. And I receive all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.